1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. And you will say, that is a gifted teacher up there. He's going to teach on the resurrection out of this verse, and this is going to be awesome. And I'll say, no, I'm not. I'm going to teach on prophets. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, let me explain myself to you in case you're visiting. As I study the bride of Christ, I see the bride of Christ um, as to be this elegant witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. She is to be holy and she is to be pure. She is to be lifted up and exalted above all things on the planet Earth. And um, I only know one way to do that. And that is the washing with the word. Um, so I, I do not take time or I do not take the given seasons that man has ordained. To, to bring a special message. Um, Good Friday we did meet. Uh, we do something on Christmas Eve. But if you attend here on the two high holy days, Christmas and Easter, uh, you will find me moving right straight on through Scripture. And the reason is, is that uh, I want you, uh, who I have been uh, graced with, to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the only way I know to do that is keep giving you the word. Uh, so uh, uh, that's the reason that I do it the way I do it. Uh, and some people say, well, you need to take this opportunity. I will. I will take this opportunity and I will give you the word of God. And uh, so now you know where I stand and why I stand where I stand. And um, my best shot at evangelism was last Friday night. And... Uh, now that I've got that out of my system, I don't have to do that for about a year. So I am like Timothy. For me to evangelize, I must work at it. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read verse 28, 1 Corinthians 12. Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we don't want man's wisdom. We want your wisdom. Father, give us understanding. Show us the majesty and power of this text. Show us the divine enabling that you have given your people that we may understand, that we may walk in the majesty and walk in the power and walk in the glory and the honor that is due you. And Father, when people see us, they see not us. They see the incarnate Christ. Father, I praise you for what you're doing. Father, help us to see in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then kinds of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. All right, I want to kind of keep bringing you back to what we're looking at. We're looking at a church in Corinth that was founded by the Apostle Paul. He was there for about 18 months. He's left and he has heard some stuff now that has come out of this church that's really got him bugged. How bugged has it got him? He doesn't begin to deal with their questions until chapter 7. The first six chapters, he's dealing with division in the church. He's dealing with schisms in the church. He's dealing with a bunch of people who he calls are fleshly, who are immature. He says, what you're doing, you look just like lost people. 
people. And basically, if you look at the context of it, you will see that instead of this group of believers in the city of Corinth affecting the community, the community was affecting the church. The ways of the world were coming in and they were trying to blend them together to make them look like Jesus. I mean, that's in the first six chapters. But he gets into it and he starts dealing with all of the issues. And I look at 1 Corinthians in a very simplistic manner. It looks at personal holiness. Your holiness. It, it isn't, you look at my holiness or you look at your husband's holiness or your wife's holiness or your children's holiness. It says, you look at this. Because why? The next letter is 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians deals with the work of service. And basically, Paul says, you can't serve if you ain't dealt with first one. If you're not walking in the power of the resurrection, that's how he concludes this letter. Chapter 15. If he is not raised from the grave, our faith is hopeless. We are the ones who ought to be, oh, you poor buggers. Okay, that's the thing that we have to look at. And I, I, this amazes me at times uh, as, a, as a pastor because I look at people who try to bring man's wisdom in to build the church. And I'm sitting there going, well, didn't he raise him from the grave? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what problem do we have he can't overcome? Well, you just don't understand. Uh-uh, back up. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. I've seen a lot of dead people, and they stay dead. But I know that the tomb in Israel is empty. And I see people kissing the stone. They, they, they've taken where his, his body laid, and they've taken a saw, and they've cut it out, and they lay it out there, and people come in and start kissing that. And I thought, oh, that's nasty. But that's where he laid. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> that was 2,000 years ago. You know how many lips have been on that rock? <laughs> okay. But that's what they do. But you know what? I rejoiced in it because, you know what? He ain't there. And I'm thinking that's good because he would probably be grossed out too. <laughs> but I want to I bring to, to you something that we miss today. Okay. We talk about the incarnation. Okay, Jesus, God become flesh and walked among us. And then we sit today, right? And we sit there and go, man, and when he comes the second time, he's going to rock the world. He's going to be incarnate and everybody's going to see him. Okay? Well, but you missed the second incarnation. He's incarnate today in the church. Okay, I know, I've looked at the church too and think, boy, he was a lot uglier than what I thought he was going to be. But he is incarnate in his people and his people join together and become the church. And he says, it is so special that I am classifying it as the bride. You literally look at 2 Corinthians, you'll see that the father of the eternity past said, I want to show my son how much I love him and I will give him a bride as a gift of my love for my son. And the son says, I love my father so much 
that I will take that bride and present her holy and pure, blameless, sinless, and I'll present her back to God my Father. I don't know if that means he just nobody wants us or what all the issues are there. I haven't gotten kind of that realized yet. But do you understand that? The church is an extremely important thing to God. And yet I see it in today, it's not. It's a man. It's just something I just add to my life. If I got time, I'm going to deal with it. I.e. the two high holy days. Okay? To accomplish this, to have this gift given from God the Father to God the Son, and God the Son presented holy and pure, He has given us divine enablings, powers, okay, that come from God the Father. All right? And in your outline, you'll see that they break into three categories. Okay, and this is missed a lot in Christendom. This is missed by pastors. This is missed by seminaries. This is missed, uh, just missed. Okay, there are gifts of men. Okay, there are gifts that strengthen, and then there are gifts that signal. You've got to get a hold of this. And that's all in verse 28. We've been looking at this and seeing that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit who does this, and they are always in unison. There was a message I preached a few months ago dealing with 14 points on spiritual gifts. One of the gifts, one of the points that we've already looked at is if it divides, it's not of God. Spiritual gifts have one purpose, unity. Now then, with that, I need you to kind of cruise over a couple of books to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Keep your place there. We'll be coming back to this one. Okay? Chapter 4, verse 11. Here's what he says. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. It should should be read. Pastor teachers. Okay? Why? Why did he do this? Verse 12. Equipping. You know what equipping means? To strengthen you, to make you able to do something. The equipping of the saints for what? Work of service. Your Bible may translate it say the work of ministry. Okay? How many people go into the church today and say, I would like to speak to the minister? If you're saved today, that would be you. You're the minister. So when a person comes up and says, I would like to see your minister, just smile and say, I'm it. Okay? Why? The body of Christ has been given for the manifestation of Christ in a lost and dying world. And to accomplish this, he says, I have given gifts of men to get this thing done. And we looked at this last week. One of the gifts... We're apostles. And I looked at it. We have apostles, big A's, and we have little A's. Okay? And, and I'm not going to go back through that. If you want to know what I taught on that or what the Scripture teaches on it, go get the, well, I don't know, what do we do now? CD, hard drive, I don't know. It's on the web. Go listen to it. Anyway, just go listen to it. Okay? Because I don't want to go back through that again. All right? Uh, and the conclusion was the apostles were given as what? Foundation, and that foundation... We should be 2,000 years out. We should kind of have that squared away. 
Although I see a lot of people wanting to rebuild the foundation. And those people, it's very easy to spot, and I just go the other direction. All right? So in the second gifts of men that we are looking at are prophets. Who are these? What the heck is a prophet? Okay? There's a lot of people running around claiming to be prophets. All right? And I ask some of the same questions that I ask about apostles. Um, does the church have all five of these gifted men? That's what I call them. Gifted men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Does, does the church have all five of these? Today, do they have all five? Um, what is this foundation thing? Where are we at on the building process? Phase of the building process are we in? Okay. In the general sense, like I give you the word apostolon, apostoles, the word prophet means one who speaks out. I mean, I know it's you want more, but he just speaks out. Well, but I thought he was the guy who yelled out and says, in three weeks, the sky is going to fall. Nope. I ain't what a prophet does. This future telling stuff that we think prophets have was added to the definition of prophet in the dark ages, 1500s, 1600s. You know why? Because there were these people called soothsayers. You know what a soothsayer is? We know them. You've got, they're around. They're all over the place. We call them fortune tellers, right? Um, mystics or skeptics. No, I'm the skeptic. Um, I don't, you know what I'm tr- trying to talk about, these people who channelers, all right? And for the Catholic Church to ab- embrace these people without being heretics, they decided just to call them prophets. Let me tell you something about the prophets of old, Old Testament prophets. They, if you interpret them, you will look at their studies and you will see that they have what I call a near-far prophecy. Okay, Isaiah prophesied of Messiah 500 years before birth of Messiah. How do you prove Isaiah is right or wrong? You can't. Isaiah was speaking of stuff he didn't have a clue what he's saying. Ezekiel's that way. Daniel's that way. Daniel gave you 70 weeks. But he couldn't figure out how they worked. Okay? Because he got released in 69. But what happened to the 70th week? All right? So when you look at a prophet, he had to say something that's going to happen right away, or you just look at him as some kind of idiot, kind of some of the guys that we see. Um, have you guys been downtown Denver? There's a guy who runs around in a tutu with roller skates on, and he's a preacher. And I'm saying, prophet. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Well, I mean, you just look at him and think, hmm, okay. But he goes around and carries a Bible. He's on rollerblades and he's wearing what's a little frilly thing that goes around and you just sit there and go, your mom don't know where you're at, does she? <laughs> okay. So a prophet was added to the English language and it was connected with future prediction. All right. They've always been connected with the idea of publicly speaking forth. Publicly speaking forth. Okay? What did the Old Testament prophets do? 
They publicly spoke forth. All right? Think about it. You have in Scripture, you have prophets and you have priests. A prophet brings God to the people, right? It tends to make them all mad. But anyway, he still brings them to the... He brings God, thus saith the Lord. Okay? A priest does what? Takes the people to God. All right? So that's why they liked priests and they did not like prophets. Still the same today. Okay? A prophet is someone who gives a voice to God in the world. This is what God has said. Um, this is amazing to me because we like, quote, unquote, counseling today. Okay? I need counseling today. Okay? How many people really want to hear what God has to say to you? Well, you just don't understand. Well, wait till you hear what God says. Okay? And I think about Al Mohler and his, his doctrine of counseling. And I kind of enjoy, I, I kind of relate to it, actually. Okay? Tell me what your problem is, okay? What does Jesus say about your problem, okay? Why are we having this conversation? I, I mean, I, it sounds... But see, now I'm, not, I'm talking about an office of prophet, okay? I also have... There is also a gift of prophecy, publicly proclaiming, and I have been cursed with that one, or maybe you've been cursed with it, okay? But there's a difference between... Apostles and prophets. What is it? I struggled with that one. Um, sometimes there wasn't. Okay? The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were both called prophets. Acts, let's go over to Acts. Acts chapter 13, verse 1, says, Now, <clears throat> now there were at Antioch in the church, key on that one, would you? In the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Then he starts listing them off. I find this fascinating. Barnabas is called a prophet. Okay? Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, all his rest of it. And who? Saul. But I thought Saul last week we looked at it and he was an apostle. Yes. But he's also called here a prophet. Look what they were doing. Interesting concept. Verse 2. While they were ministering to who? To the Lord. Wait, 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 wait. You better look at that one really good. This is a little rabbit trail, but this is a passion of mine. They were ministering to who? To the Lord. Wait a minute. I thought they were in the church. Well, which was it? Okay. When the apostle Paul was cruising down the road to Damascus and Jesus appeared to him, who did he, why did he say, why are you persecuting me? So how dare we separate Christ from his church? It's impossible. God didn't do it. And yet we will look at it and say, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Then you don't believe my Bible. I don't say that to offend people. I say that because that's what the Word of God says. That's that gift thing that people don't like to hear me. 
Okay? I have an overwhelming passion for the bride of Christ. I worship the bride of Christ. You know why? It's Christ. You can't separate the two. That's like the Bible. I haven't t- you just worship the Bible. You should have seen some of the other things I used to worship. That's an upgrade, people. You have no idea. Okay? I worship the Bible. Yes, I do. It has become an idol. Yes, it has. Why? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Can't separate them. Okay? How much emphasis do I have on it? I'm into the jot and the tittle. Why? He was. He was. You know what the jot and the tittle are? That's punctuation, which just drives me nuts in the English language. And the tittle is crossing your T's. Okay? And dotting your I's. So, do you see that in the church, you understand that? In the church, that's where Christ is ministered to, and Christ's people are ministered to. All right? The biggest difference that I can find between a prophet and an apostle, an apostle had a broad ministry. His, his ministry was to the church. Please get this. These gifted men are for the church. They're not for the parachurch ministry, 3503Cs and stuff like that. When I hear people say, I have a music ministry, how come you're not in church? Well, I'm traveling all the time. Then you have no ministry. These gifts were for the church. All right? A prophet or an apostle was for the worldwide church. Okay? A prophet's ministry, as I see it, was to the local congregation. When Paul gets the title prophet, where's he at? He's in Antioch teaching pastors okay Um, the only time Paul was called a prophet was when he was one of the pastors at the church in Antioch he was part of the staff I guess if you wanted to call it so a prophet seems to be more localized they stay in this place and they're there for this, this time okay their message was revelation from God my gift I have part of that. Now, I, I don't go on this thing too far. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. Okay? Now, if you want me to tell the future, I can tell you the future. That would be the book of Revelations. Yeah. All right? I, I don't, yeah, if you want to know future, Revelations. Okay? But if you think about my style of teaching, if you listen to me, if you spend any time from me, you're going to see that I am speaking for God. Based on what? The Word of God. The Word of God. Okay? Thus saith the Lord. All right? If you look and you see these men, Paul and Peter, they spoke... From Revelation. Let me tell you something else. There was another there was an Old Testament prophet who's in the New Testament. John the Baptist. What did he do? He publicly spoke for God. And then when God showed up, 
<laughs> he left. He was done, right? Does that make sense? I mean, I, we have made this thing so stinking complicated. Think about the Old Testament. You had all these prophets, right? Malachi, Zephaniah, um, Nathan. You got all these guys. They're all prophets, right? When they got done putting God's word to, on paper, what happened to them? Gone. And you have 400 years of shh, don't you? And then all of a sudden you have a voice crying in the wilderness. Make way the path. And then you see him when the path is laid. What happens to him? Gone. Okay, now then. We're all on the same page. I'm into this. All right, so we have these men who were called prophets. They teach revelation from God. Or they teach the doctrine of the apostles. Okay, they open their mouth is not every time they open their mouth is a revelation from God, but they teach the apostles doctrine. Okay, they're not always predicting things, were they? I mean, Agabus did, but Paul already knew it. He said, I'm going down to Jerusalem and I don't think it's going to be as much fun as I planned. And that's paraphrased. And Agabus is standing there and it says, Agabus is a prophet and he takes his belt off wraps it around Paul's feet and said yep you're going alright but this will be the manner in which you go alright sometimes they speak revelations sometimes they speak for God based on what was learned from the apostles Okay, where would I go get the apostles doctrine that would be the bible okay the office is gone. But the gift of proclaiming publicly is still being used. Still being used. The office is gone. Don't ever... I've heard people try to tell me I'm an apostle. I think you're an apostle. The way you just get into the scripture, I was like, I ain't no apostle. And I don't want to ever be an apostle. I know their responsibility and I'm not into it. Okay? I've already negated that. All right? You got it? If you're not, you go get that... CD. All right. Some people may say that I am a prophet. No, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I have the gift of prophecy, but I have a few other things that go along with it. All right. So I don't want you to confuse the office of prophet with the gift of prophecy. All right. What you see at least the prophets is, is that they give revelation to a localized Situation. Think about it. Um, that would be why you see those men, and one of them an apostle in Antioch, because he's dealing with a localized situation. Um, that's why Agabus had that unique ministry. It said, you know, the apostle Paul is going to Jerusalem and it's not going to be as much fun. They're telling what is going to happen to the church, what is going on in the church. It's localized. Uh, go to Acts 15. Acts 15. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Acts 15, verse 32. Says this. Okay. Judas and Silas also being what? Prophets themselves. Did what? 
exhorted or encouraged, and strengthened the brethren. Okay, where were they at? They were at a local place. Okay? They had, there was this confusion about the Mosaic Law. All right, they'd come down. This was right after Jerusalem Council. And, and Barnabas and Silas, among the brethren, had gone down to hear what was going on. And the apostles and the brethren who were elders and the brethren at Antioch, Syria, and all them other places. Okay? But here's how they were doing it. They were both prophets, right? Judas and Silas. They were encouraging or exhorting and strengthening the brethren. How did they do it? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Okay? They did it with lengthy messages. Okay? I like that. You see the functioning of the gift. Why? They encourage people. They Why? Think about it. God is speaking, and he's speaking to you. Let me tell you what he's saying. You should be encouraged by that. Okay? And their ministry, their service was being strengthened. Okay, now I want to look at another verse on these guys. Because this is one that I believe is missing. Um, remember, we start chapter 12 out with, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Okay, so in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul still dealing with these gifts. And verse 29 says this. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak. Okay, see what their gift is? Public speaking. And let the others pass judgment. Okay, the others. What would that be? Is what are they saying is true? Okay, you know what's amazing about the church in Corinth? There's no indication that there's any apostles. But in the local congregation, there was prophets, and it says plural. There were several loud mouths. That's what it says. There were several people bringing the voice of God's word, okay? They were prophets in a localized ministry. The apostles seemed to be broad, going around, birthing the church, okay? There was revelation given to the apostles, Okay, here's how I kind of see it. Revelation was given to the apostles, and I call it the, and, and Acts calls it the apostles' doctrine. Okay, that's the teachings of the apostles. Okay, the prophets made it practical. Made it practical. Okay, let me give you an illustration. We don't have the New Testament. Okay, just act like we don't have it. Hasn't been written yet. Paul's still cruising around. We're hoping he gets arrested real quick so he can get down and write a bunch of stuff for us. Okay? We're in a pagan city. All right? Church has been birthed here. All right? No problem. One of your congregation comes up, got that little starry thing in the eyes and says, I'm in love. Okay? I need your counsel on this. What would be counsel? Is that a believer? Because you can't serve two masters. Why? That's what God says. What is the counsel? I'm dealing with a situation in a local body of people. Here's the local people. Why can't I do that? Because you can't serve two masters. Listen, I have yet to see a divided home. What I mean, a blended marriage. 
a divided home, where the believer isn't swayed to the lost people. I've never seen it. It is a struggle. It is a battle. We have unbelieving spouses um, and believing spouses in this church. Ask the unbelievers if, or ask the believers if it's easy. When is it that your husband or your wife wants to take you away to go do something else? All the time. Okay, and is it a battle in the home? All the time. So the prophet would give the counsel, says, let me show you how practical this teaching is that you may not want to hear. Uh, I gave you the illustration on not dating last week in the Russian church. I talked to these kids, teenagers. They said, no, we don't date. I said, then I drive you crazy. And this one 16-year-old looked at me and said, no, it's great. I said, great? He said, yeah. He says, with all the things that I have to struggle against, I don't need that temptation. And I'm sitting there going, you're 16 years old. What You're in Russia. What kind of trip? Temptations are there. I mean, there ain't no movies. There ain't no TV. There ain't no DVDs. There ain't very little radio. What are these? There, never mind. Then I thought, nah, don't ask that. Okay. But do you understand why? They said, no, it's easier that way. Well, how are you going to get to meet somebody? Church. Oh, weird concept. Right. And we don't have physical contact. Why not? I mean, how does she know you like her? I mean, you know, sometimes that's a problem anyway. Okay? How do you know you like her? God will open the door. Now, many of us in this room are going to say, oh, I'm telling you what, that's a bunch of legalism and all the rest of it. And I would ask this question. How do you do with temptation? How do you do with temptation? See how the prophet made it practical? So the prophet was to the local assembly. He would take the doctrine, okay, and he would make it, how does it work to my life? How does that, how does that, his holiness, how is that practical to my life? That's why God gave prophets. I give, I kind of look at the prophets as the guys with practical advice. You know, when I, I think about that in a perspective that Agabus takes his belt off and puts it around Paul's legs and says, that's practical. <laughs> Let me explain this to you. Okay. They have a vital ministry in instructing the church on the do's and don'ts. See where they would not be some of the most favored people in the church? The priest we like. Why? He's taking me to Jesus. Okay. The prophet's going to look at you and say, you know what? You need to repent or you can't get to Jesus. Okay. Here in this text, we're looking at the birth of the church. We're looking at an infant church and there is a need to preserve the church. Okay. Once we have a a standard by which we can test it, do we need the prophets anymore? Again, I'm talking about the office of the prophets. Look in chapter 14, verse 37. This is still dealing with prophets, okay? Remember we said if you have two or three prophets speak, let the others pass judgment. You know, what he's saying here is that if you've got three messages given, you've got three prophets, they speak publicly and they give the message, the rest of the prophets need to say, well, that ain't right. Okay, God's talking to you and you're not, you're not getting the point or whatever. All right. But then he says this in verse 37. If anyone thinks he is a prophet, and then I like what he does, or spiritual. Okay, look what he says. 
Let him recognize that the things which, what? The prophet has to come into holy writ. It drives me nuts to hear these guys. God told me. What did he tell you? See what I mean? How, how do you know it's God? How do you know it wasn't the burrito we ate last night? Okay, that's what drives me nuts today is how few people know their Bible and will listen to these guys who claim to be speaking for God. How do you know what he's saying is true? That's nuts. I mean, he's already said we uh, false teachers, false teachers, false teachers, false teachers, false teachers, false teacher, false teacher, false teacher. Are you getting the point? How do I judge a false teacher? How do I know if he or she is a false teacher? It don't line up to the scripture. Well, what if they do a miracle? Well, it says Satan in the end times is going to be able to call fire out of heaven. So do I base it on an experience? No. Base it on what does the word of God say? I've run into three guys in this church or in this church, in this community who've come and God has led me to plant a church here. Okay? That's what they told me. God has led me. I knew it. It was was a burning in my bones. I knew I was going to be here. All three of them have left. You know what my Bible calls that? Remember, mine is the gift of prophecy. Those are liars, deceivers. Gosh, that sounds harsh. I'm just telling you what my Bible says. And they're really lucky we're not under the old covenant or I'd have to take you out and stone you. See that? Why? In the word of the Lord, it says, what? How many people are out trying to make converts today? I could get them to say this prayer, to say the sinner's prayer, whatever that is, or something to that effect. Okay? Nowhere in the Bible is I taught to go make converts. I'm taught to make disciples. You know why? They're harder. They are. They're harder to make. Why? It takes time. All right? So prophets are around. You see them. Listen, the, the office of a prophet, you see it through the Old Testament until the Old Testament was done, and then what happened? Poof. Gone. Then you have... The proclamation that God is among us. Okay? Last prophet you see. Then you see after the cross. You see prophets. And what were the prophets doing? They were, let him recognize the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandments. You understand what he's saying there? When the prophet speaks, it better be what the word of God says. All right? But go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 20. Oops. Escalations. That would sound really weird. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. He's talking about the church. Okay, here's what the church is all about. And he says, you used to be a stranger and an alien. Now you're saved. Here's what you're into now. He says, you are built on the foundation of who? 
apostles and prophets. Okay, what about the pastor, teacher, evangelist? They're not in the foundation work, are they? They're not in the foundation work. Okay, so a prophet in line with an apostle is a foundational office. An apostle was a foundational office. Chapter 3, verse 5 of Ephesians, it says this. Other general... Okay, what he's talking about here is Paul's ministry. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. You heard of the stewardship of God's grace. And basically, he's he's explaining what it is he's about. Verse 5 says, referring to this, you can read and understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed in his holy... What? And prophets in the spirit. Okay, so this new entity, this mystery, Christ, the bride, was revelation. God revealed it. He says, look, here's a mystery. And I'm going to reveal it. How am I going to reveal it? Through the teachings, the doctrinal teaching of the apostles, and the practical teachings of the prophets. Okay, and uh, yes, the, and the prophets had the abilities to do miracles. Absolutely. How else are you going to confirm it? Thus says the Lord. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. Okay, that's that's what I run into people. Say God told me. Well, I'm happy for you. Okay, what are you going to tell them? I mean, if a guy says I seen a pink elephant in my living room, sure. I mean, if he believes he's seen a pink elephant, he's seen it. How could a prophet before the New Testament came, how would he prove what he was doing was of God? Miracles. Okay? How did the apostles prove that what they were doing? Miracles. Listen, I'm talking miracles. I'm talking when the apostle Peter walked by, his shadow could cover people and they would be healed. I'm not talking about... There's somebody, and they've got a headache, and it's gone now. I Listen, I heard a group of them the other, it's been a year or so ago, and I asked the guy, I said, how was your worship last night? He said, it was phenomenal. He says, we had a healing. And I was like, cool. <laughs> How'd it go? <laughs> and he says, you know, there were 27 people whose legs were made longer so that they were both the same now. And they were from Oklahoma, and I said, is that like epidemic in Oklahoma? I mean, is there a lot of that one leg shorter thing going on? Okay. What the heck is that? I want to see a miracle. I want to see one leg missing. Now I've got two legs. That's what I want. And I want a plastic or a bionic one. Okay. I want a real leg with toes and all the rest of it. I want to see the paraplegic. He gets up and walks off. Okay, listen, if you don't believe that those are gone, ask yourself one simple question. One question is one that always bugs me about miracles and healings. Okay, was the Apostle Paul effective for the body of Christ? He did, I think, you know, yeah, he kind of had a thing going for it, didn't he? All right, 2 Timothy is his last letter before he died. Okay, do you know why, how he died? They cut his head off. Okay, why doesn't he send that letter to Timothy and he asks him to bring his parchments and a jacket, a coat, a cloak, and bring a healer so when they cut my head off, they can put it back on? Why not? 
Man, I see some people out there who want a healing that don't deserve to be. Paul deserved to be. See what I'm trying to get at? Take it in light of Scripture, and what does it say? The office of prophet was foundational. Do we need it today? No, we just need people to read their Bible. The revelation is complete. If the revelation is complete, then the function is gone. Foundation has been laid. I don't have to lay a foundation again. Okay? So listen. Ministry. When you think about it, a service. The ministry of the foundation is done. Do I need apostles or prophets? No. The ministry of revelation is done. Do I need apostles or prophets? The revelation of confirmation is done. Do I need apostles and prophets? No. Okay, now I want to take you back to chapter 4 of Ephesians. Verse 7 says, To each one of us, okay, that would be the saved people, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, what was the limit of Christ's gift? There wasn't any. There wasn't any. Okay, so each one of us has a gift that comes from Christ based on the limit of what he did. Okay, then it says this. He says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. And then what does he say? What does it say next? He gave gifts to men. Drop down to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, God to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Where is the fullness of Christ manifested? In the church. And he did it on a foundational principle. He being the chief cornerstone. Teaching of the apostles, the apostles' doctrine, and the proclamation, the public proclamation of the prophets. Okay, that is the foundation. Why? To establish the church with solid doctrine. And we hate that word today. Well, it's that Baptist doctrine, it's that, that doctrine doctrine, that's that grumpy doctrine or that's legalism or whatever fundamentalism or whatever else name we get on it okay now I want to stop for a second we're, we're done and I want you to think about this for a second they laid a foundation of doctrinal truth the prophets made it practical how does that apply to me how does it apply to me revelation was finished And when it was finished, we have this now. We have this now. Do you know that in Russia, if you lay this down, it's disrespectful? Okay? Why? It's the holy word of God. It's the holy word of God. How dare you lay it down? It should be something that you cherish, you hold dear. It should be something that is close to you always. Why? It's how I come up off the foundation. 
I need to get up off the foundation. I should be in phase two. Actually, we should be in way more phases than that. Why? I asked you guys a couple of months ago, do you believe the church is ignorant concerning spiritual gifts? Okay, let me tell you something. What this congregation has heard on just my teachings on chapter 12. Listen, it's not because I'm such a brilliant guy, but what I've taught on chapter 12 to date, you can't get in seminary. You can't get it in seminary. And yet I look at this and I've had people say, I have spiritual gifts going to get you in trouble. It's going to cause this, it's going to cause that. You know what? Why did Paul say don't be ignorant? And so I've been reading the thing and I look at it and say, this ain't complicated. This ain't hard. I mean, this is easy. The key that is missing is the congregation. And I'm not specifically you. Maybe it is you. You're not using your divine enabling. And that's why the church looks the way she looks. Okay? The second thing is in there. How many today appreciate the evangelist, pastor, teacher that God has given to the church this day? Because see, those are still coming. My closest friend this day, okay, the one that I I strive to hear, to be in touch with, is the Apostle Paul. I love that guy. He's amazing to me because he is the doctrinal foundation for me to come up off of. Okay? But now he's given gifts to the church. Some of them are gifts of men. And I look at the church today and say, average church does not appreciate what God has given them. The average church in America today, average church in Colorado today looks just like Corinth. We want bells and whistles and tickle my flesh. Why? Then I know that God has been there. I know that God is. You know what? I've been in services large and small where I knew God was in there. Okay? And there was no bells and there was no whistles. But the word was definitely brought forth. Um, And you go around today and ask, was it good? Well, yeah, man, you wouldn't believe what we sang. I can't find that in my Bible. Don't get me wrong. I love music. When you sing like I do, you love music. Okay? I turn myself off in the shower. (laughs) I sing in the shower and say, God, that's awful. (laughs) I need to hurry up and get clean. That's what I want you to be aware of in this. There are gifts of individuals in the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints. And we've looked at two offices, two offices that by having Scripture today, we no longer need. We need to get into the book to see what they said, but we don't need them anymore. We don't need apostles. We don't need prophets in the capital P, capital A sense. 
Okay, we do need messengers in the small a. Take forth this message. We do need prophets, prophecy in the small p sense. Yell it out loud. All right, that's what we need. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for gifted men. I give you the praise for your precious bride and the amazing things you do through her and to her. And Father, may we continue to walk. Father, instill in your people a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Instill in your people to be overwhelmed by your word, desiring your word. Father, instill in your people that we bow before your word. It is not a matter of us mastering your word. It is your word mastering us. Father, may we be people, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, that looking into a mirror are being transformed from glory to glory. It's the very image of Jesus Christ himself. No longer us, but you and you alone. To your praise, to your glory.